So the big question is this, how do value-obsessed leaders ascend their business and life to world-class levels of effectiveness, even if they're inside a bureaucracy or starting from scratch with absolutely no capital? That is the question, and this podcast is going to bring you the answer. My name is Doug Utberg, and this is the Terminal Value Podcast. Welcome to the Terminal Value Podcast. We have Arye Scheinbein with us today with SolutionAdvisory.com, and we're going to be talking about wealth management for entrepreneurs. And there's certainly still going to be some nuggets that you can take out of this if you're in a corporate career as well. But what we specifically want to talk about is how people who are either who are growing and scaling their own business, how they need to factor that into their personal wealth strategy, because, you know, when you own a business, when you're scaling a business, even if you're not planning on selling it, that business still has a certain amount of value that is going to make up a portion, possibly a large portion of your net worth. And there can be a tendency on a lot of entrepreneurs to only focus on their business and result in having a lot of their net worth concentrated in just one asset, which almost every financial planner advisor will tell you is a high risk maneuver. Arye, uh, please introduce yourself. And as always, don't let me talk too much. Okay, fair enough. I appreciate it. So pleasure to be on. And yes, my you know quick I don't know, background is went to college, did the finance thing, went to investment banking, and then started in private investing through private equity, venture capital, and hedge funds. I've spent the majority of my career doing that professionally. And additionally, like now I work at a global consulting firm where I really work for, you know, uh, and work with a lot of private equity firms that really own or invest in small or large, massive um, private businesses. And they hire me and my team and my colleagues to value these businesses. Along my journey, I've started a number of online, you know, businesses, very involved in e-commerce and things of that nature. And so doing that, I met a lot of entrepreneurs and small mm-hmm. business owners who really struggled with some of the things you had mentioned. So yeah. number one, separating or bifurcating the idea that there's this business asset and that there's also my personal wealth side of, the, of it. And I think I think one of the big takeaways is some people are really, really good at making money and generating income, mm-hmm. whether it's in their business or just as a revenue stream, but that doesn't necessarily translate into knowing what to do to invest and grow that money. Yeah. And so what happened was I became like at this intersection of dealing with people who like didn't know fundamentals about investing. Yeah, they, they understood that there's a stock, they understood crypto, maybe, but they didn't really know about it or even real estate. And so I started to help educate them and then help them make much more intelligent investment decisions from a risk reward perspective, understanding like what that asset could and could not do, where you want to swing for the fences or not, as well as, you know, both, you know, some of the hot buzz things of like crypto versus angel investing in startups versus, you know, slow and steady real estate versus, you know, stocks. And then simultaneously helping people understand like, okay, if we want to look at their business, at their asset, that main thing, right? So a lot of people want to focus on that, right? They have a mission, they have an objective, or they have something else tied to that business. Like you mentioned, whether someone wants to sell it or not, there's good practice in actually understanding what that business is worth, whether you sold it or you didn't sell it, right? Because people are taking their profits and either reinvesting it or not, right? So a lot of times they'll they'll swipe that back over to their personal side of the, the column, right? And if they if that side's not growing, if the personal side 
money is not growing, it, it can really like in the future, if the business isn't sellable or they decide not to sell it, they're in a position where like they've spent all this time, energy, and effort in building this great thing in terms of their business, but their yeah. personal side just doesn't have the money. So that's really like, you know, my background and a lot of things that I, I try and help um, entrepreneurs and small business scammers yeah. with. Yeah. Well, and one of the things that you were, as you were talking that I was just thinking of is I'm blanking on the exact story. I'm just going to steal the quote for a second, but I've heard that, right. There's, there's three primary skills, you know, when it comes to money, one is the ability to keep it. And the other is the ability to grow it. You know, and so of course, making money is your skills that allow you to generate income. Keeping it is in terms of budgeting and risk management, and growing it is in terms of effective investment. But of course, you know, as you were just saying, you have to factor your business with into the into those equations. I think in both the make it, keep it, and grow it. Because like, for example, for a lot of entrepreneurs, their business is how they make money, but they also have to figure out how do they effectively risk manage so that they can keep it from imploding. And then also, you know, how do they grow it? And if they want to exit at some point, how do they make it so it's sellable? Because the absolute, well, I'm not going to say the worst thing, but uh, one of the things that could be really disheartening is if you put your life energy into a business for years to decades, you get to where you're emotionally ready to sell. And, but now you basically have an unsellable business, which usually means that you don't have things documented. You don't have repeatable processes and it's heavily dependent on you. Yeah. Those are definitely some of the, I wouldn't say limiting or dating factors, but those tend to be roadblocks. They're, yeah. they're surmountable, right? Like you can fix those, you can change those. But if you go into the meeting thinking you're getting a $10 million number and you come out of the meeting being told it's maybe a $1 million number, right? Like it's definitely disheartening. But I think, and, and so to that point, I think one of the things that people don't really think about enough is just plain and simple about what is the value of their business today or what is the yeah. value of their business going to look like? And the way I equate this, the way I try and frame this for people is because a lot of people are like, well, it doesn't matter what my business is worth today because like I'm not selling it, I'm not exiting, so it doesn't matter. And so sometimes I call it like, you know, business hygiene. But, but yeah. the way to think about it is like this. For whatever reason, in the wealth management industry, typically, if you are what we would call, let's say, a high net worth individual, uh -huh. I mean, you, have, you have a bunch of money, you go to some sort of money manager, whether the person's at Merrill Lynch or the person's a hedge fund manager, whatever it is, there's going to be some sort of annual fee, what they call a management fee. Yeah. So based on how much money you give you, they'll charge you between a half a percent, like so we call it 50 basis points, to 1%, and some funds even charge 2% management fees. What they're saying is, it's like, hey, for us to keep the lights on and actually take care of your money, you have to pay us, you know, 50 basis points or half a percent up to two, two percentage points. Yeah. Okay. So that be, has become this established industry average for whatever reason, whether it's right or wrong, it just kind of is what it is. Yeah. Well, when it comes to managing your business, when it comes to like looking at the value of your business, nobody actually, a lot of people are always very focused on the PL of the business but not that this is a huge component of your personal wealth, right? Yeah. And if you actually were to view it that way, you'd probably say, you know what? It probably pays to spend half a percentage or 1%, 2% a year to also manage this asset. And what I mean by that is like, okay, I'll pay someone to value this for me. I'll pay an attorney to tell me if it's structured correctly. I'll pay a tax person, not just mm -hmm. to, you know, tell me like how to save the most money, but also like, Am I structuring these things? I'll pay an ops person to actually tell me like, here are my process and procedures and all the things, right? That you can run into at the, at the goal line as yeah. issues. And so I don't need to sell it. 
but I need to actually do these things to kind of maintain the value of this asset. So should I decide to sell it or should I transfer it or should I fill in the blank, right? That there's some kind of assessment or process in place. Because ultimately, if your business is growing, okay? Now, a lot of times people talk in revenue numbers or you know, more established businesses may talk in EBITDA numbers or earnings numbers, right? Yeah. So if we talk about in revenue numbers, someone's like, hey, I went from 1 million to 10 million or 10 million to 50 million. That's all fine and good. But you really actually don't know where the business's value has gone. You only know the revenue number, right? And, and maybe you know what the bottom line is and, mm-hmm. and the EBITDA, but do you know, like, what do people pay in the industry for that? Or, or where you are stuck in the sense of like, hey, you have an operating procedure, but, you know, you don't have a great onboard procedure or you don't have fill in the blank. It could be a million different things. So that's where like these kinds of things can be very helpful, but more importantly, it will also be helpful to your personal net worth in in the bigger picture to understand like, okay, I have a million dollars in my personal bank accounts, real estate, stocks, what have you. Yeah. But my value of my business is 10 million there's a huge disproportion, like you said earlier, right? Like I have massive, like let's call it risk exposure. I have 10 out of $11 million in this one asset. And how do I feel about that? And what could I do to think about and how can I think about that? It's a really mature way to look at running your business, which I think is a, you know, it's a really important aspect because of course, right, the marketing, the sales, the driving, the growth, all that type of stuff, right? You know, that's what I think a lot of new entrepreneurs tend to focus on, which rightly so, because until you sell something, you don't have a business, until you have enough revenue to offset your costs, you're just going to be dumping money into your business. But at some point, you're going to want to figure out how does this work in terms of my overall wealth position, my, my personal net worth. Yeah. Well, okay. So now talk us through, now that we've kind of talked through sort of the, the situation and what a lot of entrepreneurs uh, look at, uh, what, what are some of the things that people should really keep in mind? And what are some of the strategies you've seen that are, are, are most effective for people to really optimize their net worth relative to their business? Yeah. So I, I think one of the things that like the gets cloudy and people kind of lose sight of is when your business is growing, if it is throwing off what, what I would call free cash, so meaning there's profitability and there's excess cash at the end of the year. What are you doing with that money? Yeah. Okay. Now, again, depending on your size, this could vary of all different sorts, right? Like we can be talking about $1,000. We can be talking about $10 million, right? Mm-hmm. And so when you look at companies like, let's use a Microsoft, okay? okay. Microsoft generates all of this excess cash. And so for years, they just kind of kept it on the balance sheet and they would either make an acquisition or plow it back into research and development, right? Yep. And then they, they got to a point where even with all the money they were plowing back into research and development and acquisition, there was too much. And so shareholders basically leaned on them and said, hey, give us the cash in the form of a dividend. So yep. do a distribution. Right? A super dividend. That was, right. I think, back in about 2004, 2000, I think 2004. Yeah. Right. And so, so they did this one time, like, you know, massive dividend, right? So everybody got like X dollars per share at that time. And since then, though, they pay out quarterly dividends based on on earnings. So a lot of private companies that are owned by primarily one person, they can do one of, you know, a few things. They can, you know, do annual distributions to that owner or to those owners, right? And and then the cash kind of comes out. But then other businesses are like, well, we want to grow more. Or, oh, we are nervous that something could happen. So we want to keep cash. Now, keeping cash is important. There's no question about it. 
but your size of your business should dictate how much cash you should have lying around. And so if you have too much cash on the, on the corporate balance sheet, right on that, whatever that yeah. is, whether it's an S-corp or, or bigger than that or whatever it is, like you have to really evaluate like what is the need for that cash and what is that cash actually doing just sitting there besides making yeah. you feel good. But if there's a need for it, 100%. But if it's just excess cash, now it becomes a, a situation where you're like, okay, what, what should I do with this cash, right? So now I distribute it to the shareholder, the owners, myself or myself and my family, myself and my partners, yeah. whatever it is. And now it's sitting on, on the personal bank balance sheet, right? Now it's yeah. in your personal bank account. And this is where a lot of people like, they're like, okay, back to focusing on my business. And, and so before we get to the answer of like, okay, now, now it's on the personal side of what we should do. The thing is, is when, when you have this extra ca- excess cash in the business, and before you decide whether you should distribute it out or not, I think there's also a lot of people out there. And this is why valuing the business, even at midpoints, just is helpful. A lot of people have this mentality. They, they think when it ends in the business, they just have to keep growing. Underwritten yeah. rule somewhere that says you must grow. And it's totally not true if it doesn't align with you and if it doesn't align with what you're objectively trying to achieve, right? And so like most people get into a business to solve a problem, but they also got into a business to make money. Let's you know, be honest, yeah. right? So people get into business to make money. Well, the real question is like, how much money do you want to be making? And do you have that kind of goal? And do you have those you know, thoughts of what do you want to be doing? So you could have a business that's doing like one to $3 million a year in top line sales. And if you try and push it past three, there's a rule that we call like the rule of three and 10, things will start to break at yeah. three. And you're going to have to fix a lot of systems. You have to upgrade a lot of things in order to kind of get to that $10 million number. And we get to 10, you'll probably break again to get to like 30. Now, it's not a hard and fast rule that always works. Yeah. But the point is, is that you may actually be more profitable in that one to three zone than going to five or six or seven. Now, exactly. I know it sounds a little bit counterintuitive, but if you are comfortable with like what you're making at one to three and you have a lifestyle you want, and, and you're, like there's no rule that says you have to push harder. There's no reason to reinvest the money in the business, pull it out as a distribution. Yeah. So that's just item one. But now if we go back to, hey, we've pulled down, it's on our personal balance sheet. Now we have to think about like, okay, do I want how much concentration risk do I want, you know, in general from yeah. different asset classes? So if I'm in a service business, maybe I want to own things that are totally unrelated to service businesses. Yeah. Like I want to own real estate and I want them to cash flow. I'm not looking for speculation here. I'm looking for, you know, yielding assets that are going to throw off continued cash flow. Because if I ever get out of this business and I want my cost of living covered, I want an asset. Maybe that's kind of cash flow for me. Well, and and a couple of other dynamics that I would think about as well is because just sort of my observation is that there's sort of two ways I've noticed that companies tend to get value. You know, one is based on their earnings or free cash flows, and another is based on their growth. And I think that the majority of people who start and run their own businesses usually have some form of a service business. It'll usually be some combination of like professional services, or it might be some kind of local business, which usually end up being some kind of service business. Whereas generally speaking, the companies that tend to get valued more based on growth will be will be things that tend to be more product businesses, you know, particularly things like your software as a service products, tech businesses, just because they're sort of the hot thing on Wall Street right now. But I think to your point, there are a lot of companies where say in that one to 3 million revenue band, that they are more profitable and thus more valuable than they might be in the five to six million revenue band, particularly because, you know, say, you know, if you try to push over a certain revenue threshold 
And now you end up needing to hire more people. You need to implement different systems. You might need to purchase more equipment. You might need to move into bigger offices, et cetera. And that puts a drag on your profitability. You could actually end up reducing the value of your business if it's not something that is in fact valued based on its growth which you know the majority of small businesses will not be. So I think that's actually a really important point because you know to think about your value valuation and ex- and potential exit timing is because you know the last thing you want to do is get yourself into a situation where you're in the middle of cleaning up a giant mess when you might be thinking about potentially selling your business. Yeah, I, I, I would agree with that. And I also think like, even without the growth, I think a number of times, small business owners, right? So there's, there's all kinds of small business owners, right? There's, yeah. there's online focus, there's service focus, both online and offline, but even like the local services. So if we take, yeah. if you take, I don't know, let's say like a, a gardening business yeah. or you know any of these things where that business owner, right? The business local presentation is their blood, sweat, and tears, and it is yeah. their how they view their perception of them. Well, one of the things that you know people need to consider, and this is again why I say like you know at least get a check in every so often on on what you think your business may be worth is when you sell a business. Typically, people are not looking to say, okay, what was your twelve month last twelve months, right? They're they're actually yeah. going to ask for like three to five years if they can get it. Yeah. And so if let's just use this gardener example and you decide like, Hey, you know what? Like my trucks are good. My, my equipment is good, but I wanted to like sparkle. So I'm going to, I'm going to upgrade my trucks every three years. Right. And it's going to come at like a pretty big cap, high capital expense. Now in your, your tax planning or whatever, they may be like, Oh, this is good. There's an offset here. You know, like you reduce your profitability, blah, 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 lower taxes, fine. But the buyer is now going to see that recurring cost and is likely going to say that, okay, maintenance CapEx, maintenance capital expenditures to maintain this business is every third year. I have to spend however much you did on the trucks. Well, in fact, that may be incorrect. Uh-huh. Maybe that you just decided that you wanted to spend the money on making them sparkle and buying new ones, but really you probably could run them a good five to seven or maybe even 10 years, paint them or do something way less expensive. And now what's happened is your profitability dropped. So let's just use simple math, right? Let's say someone was going to pay you five to seven times your EBITDA, okay? Right, so if let's use simple rounder numbers, so they're going to pay you six times, okay? If your business was a million dollars of EBITDA of, of earnings, you know, before interest, tax, depreciation, amortization. So six times one, they give you 6 million. But now if they look and they're like, okay, if we look over the last five years, it's really more like $500,000 because you've got these huge chunky expenses every third year. Now you're going to get six times five, you're going to get $3 million. So that decision to upgrade your trucks every third year Uh just cost you $3 million. In valuation, yeah, that's quite a bit, right? And so, even if even if the numbers aren't as dramatic, but the multiple may be bigger. Yeah, every dollar is that multiple is going to hit that dollar change. So you have to be like cognizant just of these facts and these thoughts, both when you're running your business yeah. and saying, okay, what am I going to do in terms of like spending on my my business. No, totally makes sense. Totally makes sense. Well, let's see. So I think we're getting pretty close time for the interview. Give us one to two kind of final thoughts to to chew on and then let everybody know where they can learn a little more. Sure. I guess the final thoughts are, I think when you think about your personal net worth, right? Like if if we kind of 
assume that maybe the business will have an exit, maybe the, they won't. When you think about how much money you need later, one of the things that I think most people, this has nothing to do with business owners or not. This is every you know person typically on earth is the challenge is, is a lot of people don't like to focus on things that either bring them pain or they just don't like, right? Yeah. And so one of those things is like not budgeting, but actually knowing how much your life expect you know expenses are. I mean, like how much it costs you and your family to live the life you want to live. Yeah. Okay. And so without knowing that number, you actually never really, it's very, very hard to know how much money you need to have saved, invested, or what have you. That number drives a lot of things. Okay. And once you know that though, you can determine, okay, do I want to have assets and businesses or investments that throw off cash to me to yeah. cover that amount every year? Or do I want to have a stockpile of money that I'm going to pull that amount every year from, yeah. right? Those are basically your, your two options. And you can have a hybrid. Like it, it doesn't have to be one yeah. or the other. It's going to be some combination of the two. That is like an amazing starting point where most people don't even know where to begin to like think about things. Yeah. So I would say like, hey, if, if you're like, well, I don't even know. Like that's your starting point. Your starting point is like, how much does it cost you to live today? And how much do you, you know, and what you spend today, is that what you want to spend in the future? Maybe you want to be spending yeah. living a life of double that. You know, I think that's just like one very tangible kind of thing for, for people just to like think about is a great starting point because I always tell people it's like a put in, in Google Maps or Waze or any of these things. You you have a starting point, you have a desti destination. But if you don't know your starting point, you can't be there's no way for the map to tell you how to get to the destination. And if you don't know your destination, you have a separate problem. And so understanding your starting point and your destinations are really, really key things. So in terms of finding me, like you, people can find me on Instagram at REA the businessman. Um, I'm on Twitter. I just kind of started with Twitter, REA Shinebein. And as you mentioned, the website Solution Advisory and the last website is futurefundme.com. Outstanding. Well, REA, really appreciate you coming on the show today and I hope you have a wonderful day. Thank you so much. All right. Thank you for listening to the Terminal Value Podcast. Please feel free to visit me online at www.terminalvalue.biz where you can subscribe, find me on social, and then we can connect and just keep the conversation going. I'm really looking forward to hearing from you and I hope you have a wonderful day. All rights reserved. No part of this broadcast may be produced in any form by any means without written permission from Business of Life, LLC. All trademarks and brands referred to herein are the property of their respective owners.